Thank you, Sherry. There's your phone. There's your phone. Um, again, we do want to thank you for being with us today, and uh, those that are joining us online, welcome as well. I, I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, and while you turn there, I just want to uh, ask you to consider with me right now what would happen if today you go home and you found that the city decided they were going to change the boundary lines on your front yard. And they were going to now access another 30 feet into your property to widen the road. You would have no compensation. It's just the way it is. The boundary line has now been redrawn. I'm going to preach today a message called Removing Ancient Boundaries. The wisest man that ever lived was King Solomon. And he says this in chapter 22 of the book of Proverbs, in verse 28, Proverbs 22, 28. Do not move the ancient boundaries or the boundary which your fathers have set. Let me read that again. Do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Go forward into the same book, Proverbs, and then go to chapter 23 and follow with me verses 10 through 11, he goes a little bit more detailed. Do not move the ancient boundary or go into the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong, and He will plead their case against you. The Scripture says today, do not move the ancient boundary. In other translations, these property lines are called boundary lines or landmarks. Do not move the ancient landmarks. The instruction is very simple. Don't move them. Everybody say, don't move them. This morning, I want you to think with me today about moving boundaries, about moving landmarks. When you buy a home, a surveyor at some point in the past has come out and set boundary lines for that property. And those lines show you what is legally yours. Now, what if you pulled up those stakes and you move them toward your neighbor's land about 15 feet. Do you think your neighbor would have something to say? Maybe. But what if he chose to say nothing? And what if years passed and both properties changed hands without the keen eye of a surveyor... And now the placement 
of the original stake is hidden from sight, so the new owner of your house builds a fence and now takes in the property that does not belong to him. What happens when a certified surveyor returns to place those marks back where they're supposed to be? Well, I'll tell you what you have is you have a mess. Because now you have two owners of two houses who think their property lines were what they were, and the one guy is going to get some land removed from him because it doesn't belong to him. Are you with me? These lines were wrongfully moved. And for much of Israel's history, they were a nomadic people. They traveled around their uh, land with their extended families, and they had tents. But after God led them into the promised land, each of the 12 tribes, with the exception of Levi, the priestly tribe, was allocated a very specific area of land. He would say, Dan, this is your property, and it extends from this point to that point to this point and that point. No further. That's your property. And accordingly, each family was given a piece of land, and it was critical to that tribe. And in Israel, boundary lines were considered sacred. Now, the Levites, they were given towns out of each of those tribes' lands. So the Levites had towns that they were in, and all of those specific plots of dirt, so to speak, was sacred to those particular tribes. And I want to just say this, that in Israel, boundary lines are considered sacred, and remember, it is God who gave them their boundary lines. It was God who said, I'm dividing it up, and He is the one who established the boundary lines. Say this out loud with me today. God establishes the boundaries, not man. For much of Israel's history, we see this is recorded over and over again. In Joshua, if you read this in chapters 13 through 21, it deals with what I just talked about, with the promised land being divided up and given to each of these 12 tribes. And the words of our text today say, say it this way, remove not the ancient landmark. This is the King James Version. Remove not the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Now, these words were written by King Solomon many, many centuries after the Lord gave the command to the Israelite to set landmarks and boundaries on the land that he had given them. They set the boundaries, but God gave them what those boundaries were supposed to be. Much like God gave the law, he gave the Ten Commandments, and now it's passed along from generation to generation, and you as parents can even identify with this, you set a boundary. 
when you have children, you can't, you can do this, but you can't do that. If you do that, you've crossed the boundary, right? If the baby grows up, you know, we think things are funny when they say no to this and that and no to that and this and the way they say it and on and on, and we kind of laugh at it. But let that child get up to the age of four and tell you no, and it kind of changes, doesn't it? So what you say is a boundary. When they cross it, there's consequences. Now, King Solomon, as he wrote this, not even many centuries have passed, but God still recognized those boundary lines given in the book of Joshua to the tribes of Israel. They were still there in Solomon's day, and he reminds them, don't move those ancient landmarks. Those landmarks were not to be encroached upon. Everybody say, do not encroach. Not only in that generation, but in the generations of men to come, they were to mark what was theirs by erecting, literally they would erect pillars made of stones. And those landmarks would serve as boundaries. They, they saw this is the landmark. This is the stones. These are what should not be moved. On at least five different occasions I've read this past week in the Old Testament, where Israel is instructed not to move the ancient boundaries. I'm going to take you through some of those. These landmarks, as I said, were ancient. And God is serious about them. God is serious about this. I want to take you to these scriptures. First of all, Deuteronomy 19. Look at this in verse 14. This is what God said. Now, this is before uh, King Solomon said what he did. This is the beginning. This was written in the law. This was put down by Moses. The book of Deuteronomy 19.14, God said, you shall not move your neighbor's boundary mark, which the ancestors have set, in your inheritance, which you shall inherit in the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. Further down in Deuteronomy 27, verse 17 says, now church, we're going to go a little bit, this is going to get a little scary. The first thing told us what not to do. The second, God is saying what's going to happen if you do. This is scary. Cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark. And all the people shall say, amen. What does that mean? And all the people shall say amen. Do you all know what that means? Lord, we're in total agreement with you, and we say, so let it be done. In other words, God says not to move the boundary mark, and if you move the boundary mark, the person who moves the boundary mark is going to be cursed, and the people should stay in that agreement, that that is not to be done. Moving boundary lines, moving landmarks, was not to be done. So those landmarks were to remain undisturbed, were not to be encroached upon, not only in that generation, but throughout all the generations to come. Now, church, that's important. In 2022, that's important. Because we need to realize what was mentioned in old is still for today. When God established those landmarks, He said they're to remain. Now, later, 
you get into Hosea, and there is a prophecy there, and God likens the corrupt and sinful princes who were leading Judah at that time to those who removed boundaries. In Hosea chapter 5, look at this in verse 10. He says, the princes of Judah have become like those who move a boundary. Now, we just read what God would say to those who moved the boundary. He said they were going to be cursed. Now, notice this. On them I will pour out my wrath like water. I told you it's getting a little scary. To move the ancient boundary was cheating. It was encroachment. Now, those of you who watch football, you know what I'm talking about when the opposing team gets flagged for encroachment. I mean, we even penalize professional football players for trying to cross the line to get over early. It's really not that much of a penalty. It's only five yards, right? Encroachment. We've got another one on the other side called offsides. Same thing. It doesn't matter. You, there is a line there of scrimmage, and you're not to cross it. Now, we already have this in a game we call football, but God's had this for millennia with law. Encroachment is when someone crosses a property line and uses someone else's land for their own purposes, willingly moving boundary markers amounts to stealing land. And in the ancient world, it was quite easy to move that marker of stone because those stones were sometimes moved slowly, a little bit of a time, at a time, to avoid detection. Walk with me today in 2022. The way in which they would do this was very clever. Rather than move a stone a long distance, they would just simply move it a little distance. Then they would come and do it again, and we could be moved a little bit more. Till ultimately, the stone was now over there where it used to be over here. Are you with me? And over time, after repeating this, they had encroached upon their neighbor's land without being noticed, much like the illustration I gave you about the neighbor moving the boundary line. And those who stole land by moving boundary stones were stealing from those who owned the land and from their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids. So in many cases, the children lost out on what their parents lost out on. In fact, I was reading, and just last year, in the month of May, a farmer in the Belgian town of Urkeline decided that he had had enough of driving his tractor around this boundary stone. And so he moved that boundary stone about seven and a half feet that way. And the stone was significant because it actually marked the French and Belgian border. And the stone had been placed there in 1819 following the defeat of Napoleon. And the year is inscribed upon the stone. 
Now, by moving it, the farmer had, in essence, increased the Belgian border along his field by around 1,000 square meters. I think that's somewhere around 11,000 or so uh, square feet, somewhere in that vicinity. And when the governments were made aware of this, they recognized it was just a mistake, and he put it back where it belonged after he was made aware of what he had done, and there was no international conflict over it, but it makes my point today. Boundaries matter. Look at your neighbor and say, boundaries matter. Notice our text today calls the boundaries. Let's go back to the very uh, beginning scripture in Proverbs 22. Ancient. It calls the boundary ancient. In other words, the boundary doesn't change from one generation to the next. Our text today specifically talks about land boundaries, but there is a deeper spiritual principle behind it that I want to open. There are foundational landmarks. There are truths. There are principles that God established from the beginning of time that should not be tampered with and should not be removed by individuals, by governments, or by nations. Can I hear an amen? So again, let me just throw out another option. Let's say today, after you get home from church, how would you like to come home and find that here in Phoenix, our fences are walls, right? Cinder block walls. How would you like to come home and find that your wall, entire wall, had been broken down, and your neighbor was, had pushed your wall about eight feet or so into your property line and was now building a shed where your fence used to be and had a crew out there setting new cinder blocks right beside the shed. And you now have eight feet encroached upon for however deep your property line is. And not only that, he's building something new on it. Didn't get your approval. Stole your land. And is now building something of his own. On what was yours? That's what's happening in our world today. You see, people say, well, now, it's okay to move that landmark over here a little bit. Yeah, but what if it happened to you? You see, it makes it a whole different ball of wax when it affects us. And God is always affected when his laws are affected. Like boundary stones, the biblical values that were once an integral part of our culture in the United States of America have been encroached upon by secular forces in this society. And it has not happened in leaps. It has happened gradually in very short steps over time. And here's what's happened, and this, mark my word, 
is what happens and how it happens. What one generation allows in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. Unsaved great-great-grandparents would roll over in their graves to see what is allowed in our nation today. Not only allowed, celebrated. In the same way that humans establish land boundaries, God also establishes spiritual boundaries. Those boundaries define the world that he made, giving definition to reality. Do you know what reality is? Do you know what? The enemy is always throwing, it's a lot of peer pressure around us to get us to respond a certain way, even as adults. Peer pressure didn't end when you graduated high school, by the way. I just thought I'd let you know that. That's why people do things on the job out of pressure that they would not normally do at home. But because everybody else is doing it, they do it so they fit in. God's spiritual and moral boundaries, church, show us the right way in dark and uncertain times, and we're living in those. We're not one day going to get there. We're there and what to affirm and what to avoid. And God set stone monuments in the past to define these ancient land boundaries, but he also established ancient spiritual boundaries. They begin with the Ten Commandments. I encourage you to read them again. I love what Billy Graham said. They were called Ten Commandments. They're still called Ten Commandments. They were never called Ten Suggestions. The Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses, the Book of Proverbs, and of course the entire Bible as a whole is the standard of rule for God. And we can refer to it today still in 2022, and it means the same thing it did in 2022 A.D. as it did in 2022 B.C. And we can listen to it anytime we want to open it. Today, I'm not talking about a landmark like the Washington Monument or the Grand Canyon. I'm talking today about God's landmarks that were set in ancient time and not to be removed. And those landmarks are established in God's immutable and unchanging word, and His boundaries do not drift. They do not change from generation to generation. They remain the same as when God established them, and they will remain in place until Jesus comes again. God sees what is done in secret. Nothing is hidden from His sight. For modern Christians, those ancient spiritual landmarks should be the structure for our character. They should direct our choices. They should inform our decisions. Think of how the values in our society have changed over the past generation. The moment life begins has been redefined. Marriage has been redefined. 
Very recently, even the secular definition of gender has been changed. Sexual behaviors that were actually violations of civil law a few generations ago are now non-issues or even celebrated. But God's word's unchanging. Are you still with me? The boundaries that were established in the word do not move. And I'm just going to talk about one. The family. Do you know it was the first institution that God ever created? He looked after he created everything. Man was the crown of his creation made on the sixth day. And he said, behold, it's very good. But do you know what? There was something not good in that. And here it is. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. So here's what God did. He put Adam into the first surgical state. He put him out without using any uh, of today's ways of putting someone out. But the Bible said he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He took a rib from his side, and the Bible says he fashioned a woman out of Adam. In fact, look at the word woman, and in the word woman, you have the word man. God allowed Adam to name every creature on this earth. Why is a cow a cow? Because Adam said it was going to be a cow. Why is a horse a horse? Because Adam said it's a horse, a course. God even let him name his spouse, woman. She shall be called Isha, woman, because she came from man. Literally, man with a womb, woman. That's why... Women, please don't get offended by this, but you're also under the title mankind because man is in your name as well. It doesn't make you a man. You're a woman, but we're all mankind. And through the years, we've even had to change from the pulpit the way we say that so we don't offend. We have to say humankind. But literally, When you understand Scripture, you won't get offended by it because woman came out of man. Doesn't make the man, you know, just like in in marriage ceremonies, she was not taken from his head to lord it over him. She was not taken from his feet so he could trample upon her. She was taken from his side so that she could be one with him. Together, 
two is better than one. For how can one stay warm? The Bible tells us. But two, you get more production out of that. The first institution God created was the family. The very first institution the devil went after was the family. He knew not to come to Adam, so he went around the back door and came to Eve. Now, the Bible says that Eve was deceived, ate of the fruit. But you know what? Adam wasn't deceived, church. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he willingly chose to disobey God. Now, see, back in that day, only one rule, one boundary marker could not be crossed, and that was this. You can eat from anything in the garden except one thing, and that one thing is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the day which you eat that, you will surely die. And what, what happened is, is Adam knew that. God told Adam that. Eve might have heard Adam talk about it, but it's not what God told Eve. It's what God told Adam. So she had a secondhand knowledge of it, and when the devil came to her, she even changed what God said. She said, he said, we could eat of any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and neither shall ye touch it. Well, God didn't say that. And, of course, we know what happened. They fell. God said, be fruitful and multiply, and they began to have children. And they had Cain, and they had Abel. And Satan tempted Cain with pride and with jealousy. And through disobedience, Cain killed his brother. The devil wants to destroy the family. He wants... Couples to live together outside of marriage. He wants people to commit adultery. Do you know I did an interesting study this week on adultery and state laws about adultery? Do you know that Arizona, in our record books, in our state statutes, that adultery is actually a crime? In fact, by the way, can I just ask you today, do you all still realize adultery is sin? Jesus said even this. He said, I'll put it to you even this way. He said, adultery is not just the act. Adultery is the thought. If you think it, you're guilty. Now, we know Jesus is very compassionate, right? We, we saw what he did with the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He didn't pick up the stone. He didn't bash her head in. He said, neither do I condemn you, but this is what he did say. Go and what was he calling adultery? That's what Jesus called it. Now, here it is. In the state of Arizona, let me tell you what the law is. It is a class three misdemeanor here punishable by up to 30 days behind bars, and not only will the spouse be penalized, but the other person involved with the spouse 
will be penalized. You're saying, why don't I ever know about that? Well, it's also a crime in Alabama, in Florida, in Georgia, in Idaho, in Illinois, in Kansas, in Massachusetts, in Michigan, in Minnesota, in Mississippi, in New York, in North Dakota, in Oklahoma, in South Carolina, in Utah, in Virginia, and in Wisconsin. Why don't we ever hear about that? Sexual sin is described in the Bible, church, and I'm just going to say it this way, as anything outside the bonds of marriage. And this is what Jesus said, watch this, in Matthew 19, 4 through 6. He answered and he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them, say it out loud, male and female, and said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. I'm going to say it again. Marriage is the oldest institution in the world. It was created by God. It is the most ancient of the ancient boundaries mentioned in God's Word. That's why I'm talking about it today. It's the most ancient. And it's the one under attack. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Can two persons of the same sex multiply? God defines marriage to be between a male and a female. The male is called man by God, and the female is called woman by Adam. I said it earlier because God fashioned her out of man according to Genesis 2.23. This is what it says. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. That word in Hebrew is isha. Because she was taken out of man. A woman is an adult, female, human being. Amen? A woman has a womb that can carry a child. If you don't have a womb, you're not a woman. Genesis one twenty seven says this, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Say it with me, male and female, he created them. God created man, do you see it, in his image, and he created them, male and female, mankind, male, female. Now, notice what God tells Adam and Eve in the next verse in Genesis 1 and verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, be fruitful and multiply. The devil wants to come in, steal, kill, destroy, Take away life. Take away the kids. Remove the ability to have them. 
remove the ability to have family. If you do have family, then he's going to come in and he's going to try to destroy the family. He's going to, if he can't destroy the family, he will try to come in and destroy the marriage. If he cannot destroy the marriage, he will come in and try to de- destroy the, uh, the relationship between the kids. And if he can't re- do that relationship with the kids, he'll try to destroy the relationship between the kids and the parents, or the parents against the kids. And on and on it goes. In church, the Bible says the devil comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy, not to show you a good time. He may try to make you think that's what he's there to do, but he is ultimately there to take you out. Somebody somebody needs to tell you this. I recently read of a man from Guthrie, Oklahoma, and he once said that if God would hand him the Bible, he would just say back to God, or if God would, would hand him the Bible and say to him this, here, just take this book and you fix it. You fix it to fit you. And this is what he said. He said, I would just hand that Bible back to God, and I would say to God, God, that book is all right, just like it is. I just ask you to fix me to fit the book. That's the attitude we all need. Let's not be trying to change any part of God's Word to suit our way of life at any point. But let us earnestly be seeking God to change our lives in any way we need changing according to God and His ancient boundaries to conform to the truth of that ancient word. That, by the way, will never change. And that's all I have. But I think that's enough. It's just the family. Do you guys see how everything truly flows from the family? We have over here a revival banner. Let me go grab it because you folks on the uh, internet won't be able to see this. This banner itself is pretty ancient. This is circa 90s. Can we see that good now? See that on the camera? I want you to notice... Revival means to bring back to life or revive. Something that has died needs to be brought back to life. At the very bottom of this, you're going to see a heart on fire. That's what God wants you to have, is a heart on fire for Him. 
He wants to come in and just set you ablaze with His power, with His, with his law, with His goodness, with His truth, with His Word, with His love. Set you on fire, and when you are set on fire, you'll set your home on fire. Not literally, but spiritually. And if the husband's on fire, and the wife is on fire, and the kids are on fire, the house is going to be on fire. Now, what happens is, is when that house on fire comes into the church, it's going to set the church on fire. And the church is not going to change. The church is going to be preaching what it ought to preach. When somebody says something from the pulpit, it's not going to offend them. They're going to go, amen, I agree with that, pastor. Keep preaching it. We need to hear that even more. And when the church is set on fire, the world will be set on fire. Why isn't the world set on fire? Because the church isn't on fire. Why isn't the church on fire? Because the family's not on fire. Why is the, church fire, the family not on fire? Because our souls are not on fire. And the only way we get on fire is going back. I'm going to come out of the camera here again. But the only way it gets set on fire is we've got to say, Lord, let the zeal of God consume me. That's what the Bible said about Jesus. Jesus said, the zeal of God has consumed me. And when he went into the temple and they were doing things that was not supposed to be done, they were buying and selling doves and exchanging and making money and profit off of sacrifices that should have been, should have been taken care of before they even got there, Jesus, the Bible says he took a whip and the same loving Jesus that died on the cross for their sins took a whip, overturned those money-changing tables, took a whip and was whipping, and those chickens were flying. I mean, everything was going, well, probably not chickens, I guess they were uh, lambs and goats and bulls and things like that. But he was overturning those money changers. He's like, you have made this into a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Amen? And I wonder, I wonder sometimes in 1962 when prayer was taken out of the schools, how many Christian homes it was already out of. And all I'm saying today is I think we need to have a checkup from the neck up. I think we need to have a checkup from what we're thinking. I think we need to have a heart check. I think we need to go into the physician of physicians and have him put his holy stethoscope onto our heart and find out, Lord, is my heart cold or is my heart on fire? Is my life bold or is my life cold? Am I being shut down or am I speaking up? Remember this, they never shut Jesus down. He did not turn away from what he was called to do. The Bible says his face was set like a flint to the cross. Removing ancient boundaries. Have you gotten something out of this today? Stand with me today as we close in prayer. Thank you for your attention, your time. Today, Lord, as we close today, we thank you that you are a God that never changes. Your love never changes, but your rules never change. Your law never changes. Your boundaries remain the same just as they were on the day you established them. Father, bring us back to your word. Bring America back to your word. Father, I pray that the blinders that your word talks about that are on 
those that are in the world that cannot see because the God of this world has blinded their eyes, take off those blinders. And Lord, set each of your servants, set us on fire with the Holy Ghost and power once again. And let your church be the voice that is being heard. Let your word be the voice that is being followed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I appreciate you being with us today. God bless you. Have a great week. Go out in the power of God. Love you guys. We